Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. And there are certain things that we experienced as children growing up, and one of those was we were not allowed to say Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas was frowned upon. And I remember as, as, as siblings, and, and there were quite a few of us, we would, like, we would nudge each other and point if somebody we knew had Merry Christmas up in their house. It was like one of the biggest sins of Christmas. Now, right now, you're probably very confused. Well, in our family, Merry meant you'd been drinking a few too many sherbets. Merry implied that you'd been kind of having a few with your friends, and therefore, a Merry Christmas. I mean, I couldn't possibly sing the song, God Resty Merry Gentlemen. That would be horrendous. And Merry was a bad thing in our house. I never quite understood it. But I remember sort of, sort of thinking, those terrible people. Xmas. Oh, that's even worse than Merry Christmas. We were never allowed to say Xmas or use the phrase Xmas or even write Xmas because that was taking Christ out of Christmas. And some of you here are nodding. Oh, yes, too right. That's a terrible thing. You should never use the word. I understand that. But as a child, it's one of those rules. We were just told you don't use Xmas. You don't write it on Christmas cards because you're running out of time. You don't use the phrase Xmas. And there's the picture of alcohol. Don't stress about Christmas. Alcohol will make it all better. We didn't do alcohol. We didn't do alcohol all year round, to be honest with you. But at Christmas time, it was schlur. Christian alcohol. And we thought that was normal until I met other normal people and realized that wasn't completely standard. But we had these rules, and it was no to Merry Christmas, no to Xmas, no to alcohol. And then when it came to Christmas morning, my, my dad, I mean, we sound a bit Victorian. I understand that. And if you met my parents, you understand that. Don't get it wrong. My parents are amazing. But this is the rules we had. And my dad would lay on our bed a sock, just one of his socks. I mean, now they have sacks, don't they? I mean, I mean, who invented the sack? I think it might have been the shops. The socks were a bit small. Let's invent sacks. So at Christmas time, we would have one of my dad's old socks. And it was the same every year. At the end of the sock would be an, a tangerine. A lot of nodding heads going on here. It gets better. Then there would be lots of nuts without a nutcracker. I mean, just think about how much fun my parents had thinking, this will keep them quiet. We are, it's amazing what you can do with your teeth at five o'clock in the morning. But we have this, and then we'd have an annual. We'd have a, like a, a sort of annual every year, the kind of comic annual would come out. And that's what we'd have. That would be our, our Christmas stocking. Because we didn't have presents until after church. You weren't allowed to have presents in the morning. You had to wait until after church. And so we would eventually we'd get all our presents, and, but we didn't do... Not that many presents, slightly less, thank you. Uh, we wouldn't do extravagance, because extravagance was, was like, that, that wasn't the point of Christmas. We would do presents, but they would be appropriate. And sometimes they would be rewrapped presents from my, our older siblings, that they'd grown out of those particular trousers or whatever, and happy Christmas, there we go. Um, and, and so we wouldn't do extravagance. We would say no to that, and no to commercials, no to buying excessive amounts of stuff. When we saw people buying things and going crazy at the shops and those trolleys overflowing, we would all, tut, 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 that's terrible. Christmas is a time for just, you know, just being sort of gentle and quiet and peaceful and, and limiting your extravagance. And there's this kind of feeling that Christmas had loads of rules and had those things we could say no to. And I'll ask the question today, what are the things you are saying yes to this 
Christmas. Because we can laugh about the things we all say no to. And maybe you've all got your funny stories of things that you didn't do when you were children. Or, you know, and it's fascinating when you get married and suddenly you have those values of your two types of families joining together. And I still think my family values are fantastic. And I'm quite happy with those mostly. And then Christmas Eve, my wife thinks it's okay to have presents on Christmas Eve. I mean, that breaks all of our rules, but apparently that's in their, their family. That was the rule. Christmas Eve, you always got presents on Christmas Eve. Normally a new pair of pajamas. But in our family, so we have a little kind of every year, and I'm like, it's terrible. We should wait until we get back from church. And I'm turning into my dad. And, but that was our values. Christmas. What are your values? What do you say yes to? What is the message you are saying this Christmas? Everyone tells a story. What story are you telling? How do you express the Christmas story? As we mentioned last week, you know, we talk about angels. We talk about fear not, about being obedient. I wonder if you had a week of being obedient. I wonder if you've got some stories of obedience and following God and the way that Mary was obedient to the angel who visited her. We talked about angels being these spiritual beings, these highly intelligent servants of the Most High who came and worshipped him and celebrated him at his birth. We talked about the five different appearances of angels, the one where the angel Gabriel appears to, to Zachariah there in the Holy of Holies and he's struck dumb for another nine months. We talked about Mary's experience of an angel appearing to her when she was by herself as a young teenage virgin. We talked about the angel appearing to Joseph in his dreams and the angel appearing to the shepherds on the hillside, which I'd like to look at a bit today. So if I can turn my Bible the right way around, that'll help. Um, let's go to Luke chapter uh, 2. Luke chapter 2. The angels appearing to the shepherds. And just read with me. It's on the screen there. Here we go. Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 8. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields. They didn't know it was Christmas Eve, by the way. They didn't know that. There was no celebration. There was no tinsel. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly. I love that word. It's like boom. Suddenly. There was this kind of change in the environment. Suddenly, something happened. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and a radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. Can you imagine that? You're minding your own business, or you're minding someone else's business, their sheep. And suddenly, everything changes. You know, maybe you're having a little natter with your friend. You're kind of talking about the weather, or maybe you're looking at red sky at night. It's out of light. Woo! Maybe you're just having a conversation and suddenly everything changes. An angel appears. And we don't have much of a description of what the angel looks like. But the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. I'm sure they've never experienced anything like that. But there was an encounter moment with the angel of God. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them. Fear not. We talked about last week. Fear not. Or don't be afraid in this particular version. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Now, now as Jews, the shepherds would have understood what a Messiah was. They would have been taught since, since childhood. Listen, I know we're, in occupied, we're occupied by the Roman soldiers at this moment in time. I know we're under threat all the time, but things are going to change. There's a saviour coming. There's a Messiah coming. There's one that's going to rescue us and set us free. And he's going to be called the Lord God Most High. He's going to be our Messiah. So when the angels announce there's a Messiah who's been born, the shepherds are there. They go, wow, 
We've got that. Born today in Bethlehem. You know, it was not very far from the fields where the shepherds would have been to the town of Bethlehem. It's like 15, 20 minutes walking. It's not far away. And you'll recognize him, the angel carol. You'll recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. You know, it's really normal for babies to be uh, wrapped in pieces of cloth when they were born in that time, those times. Very normal to have wrapped them, to keep them warm, to keep them dry, completely stamped. No idea how you change a nappy. That must take ages. But they were wrapped the babies. That's completely normal. But putting them in an animal feeding trough is not normal. This idea we have of a beautifully carved wooden manger with freshly bought from the local you know, pet corner store straw that the baby is laid in is not the same as what Jesus would have experienced. It would have been a dirty food-holding trough. It would have been animals would have eaten out of it. I guess the shepherds probably would have known where to have found the baby. There weren't many places that they could have gone. You will find a baby. Suddenly, another suddenly, we've gone from one angel. We've gone from the glory of God radiating around them. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others. The armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Imagine that. The sky filled with all of angels' armies. And they're singing, they're saying, they're shouting, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth with whom God is pleased. That must have been a moment. A moment of just like awe and fear and trepidation and uncertainty as they experience that. And then there comes this moment, okay, when we carry on here, verse 15. When the angel had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. I wonder if there was a moment they just kind of looked at each other and went, did you just see what I just saw? Can you, can you imagine probably thinking, am I dreaming this? Is this real? I mean, these are, these are real everyday men, the shepherds were. And they were experiencing something unbelievable, unexplainable. But it says they went to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that's, that's sorry, Apologies. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what happened and what the angel said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angels told them. An incredible part of the Christmas story. A suddenly moment. The angels appearing to those on the edges of the town and edges of society. You know, the Christmas story, that very first time, starts with a celebration with worship of God, directing their praise towards heaven, saying glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth. I don't know how you celebrate Christmas. I don't know what traditions your family have, what routines you have, what habits, whether you have a Christmas tree or you don't, whether it gets put up on which day and how many days you're allowed to have your tree for. I've never quite understood the rules on that one. I don't know how you celebrate your Christmas. But I want to ask the question today, do your celebrations, however you may do them, 
do they point towards God? Do they point towards heaven itself? I mean, I don't mean, do we do everything with a God-centered tag on it? I don't mean, do you have a nativity set in your house and scripture on the wall? I mean, do you reflect the heart of Christmas in the way that you do it? You know, it's common in the time of Jesus when he was born, if you were a wealthy parent, especially if it's your firstborn son, you would hire a herald. You would hire somebody to go and tell everybody the good news. It's before we had, you know, kind of um, announcements, birth announcement cards, or de- let alone emails. This was a time you'd hire a herald, you'd pay somebody to go and tell everybody that you had had your firstborn child, especially if it was a son. And there would be a, a, a priority list of who you would tell. Obviously, the family would be very important to tell the family. But you'd also expect the herald to go and tell the people of importance in your society, whether that be in the palace or the kind of the chief of the village or the religious leaders, the Pharisees. And you would go and tell those people. It would almost dictate, you know, you know when people announce in the Times about a birth, it's because they're trying to make a statement of who they are and who their baby wants to be, or they would like their baby to be. And it, that was what would happen in that time. People with wealth would kind of make a statement going, do you know who we are? And look, we want to announce our good news. And if you had a special baby, a firstborn child, you would go and tell royalty or religious leaders. But instead, God sends his heralds, the, the angels, to the outcasts of society. You know, the shepherds, were one of the most disrespected groups in the Jewish nation at that time. It was a job that was for slaves or for uh, people who were unemployed or people who were just not welcome in society. It was like, well, keep them busy. Give them the shepherd's job. And they would look after your sheep for you. The sheep often were owned by the whole community. And the shepherds would just be given this worst of all jobs. You know, they they were deemed as disgraceful, as disrespectful. And one of the reasons was for that is because the religious rules of that time was that if you wanted to worship God, if you wanted to come to the temple, then you were to fulfill certain criteria to be clean enough, to be pure enough, to be good enough to access the temple. And because the shepherds lived and worked with sheep all the time, they were always smelly, they were unclean, they were unprepared, they were unwelcome into God's temple. And so instead of sending his angels to the royalty or religious leaders, God sent his angels to the outcasts. You know, the people who did not measure up to the religious standards of the day. Just a few weeks ago, I will say this one more time, we were in Bethlehem. We were there. It's true. We were there in the shepherd's fields, the place where they believe the shepherds were when they would have seen and experienced the angels. And there's this beautiful cave that's kind of cut out of the side of some rock there, which they believe is where the shepherds probably sheltered from any rain or just, you know, a bit, bit cold. And there was this place, and we were able to go into this cave, and we were, yes, believe it or not, I got everyone to sing while shepherds watched their flocks by night. And I was very grown up. I didn't sing wash their socks by night. I was very mature and sensible. About 30 of us, we sang. And we sang those lines from that song that says this, Fear not, said he, for mighty dread had seized their troubled minds. Glad tidings of great joy I bring to you and all mankind. It was a really powerful 
moment. For those of you who were there and joined with us, it was a powerful moment of recognizing, wow, imagine the sky filled with all of heaven's armies. Glad tidings is a strange word. We don't often walk around doing glad tidings to you, glad tidings to you. Glad tidings simply means, it means good news. Tidings is a way of saying there's some recent activity. I want to tell you about what's been happening. Good news. It's the word we get gospel from. The good news is the word gospel. Gospel is what we call those first four books of the Bible, Matthew, uh, New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're the gospel. Why are they the gospel? They're the good news because that's when the story of Jesus is told, the story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Good news is the gospel message. You know, I love the fact these angels were messengers of glad tidings. They were bringing their good news. Good news I bring. They didn't come along and say, well, here's a, here's a bunch of rules for you. Here's a program you need to complete. They came to the outcast of society to announce a person had been born. Because the message of Christmas is always about a person. The message of Christianity is a person called Jesus. It's not rules. It's not systems. And the angels came to say, glad tide has got some good news for you people. There's a baby being born, and it's going to change the way the world has ever experienced God. They passed this message on to the shepherds in their suddenly moment. And the message became messengers, so the shepherds became messengers of good news, of hope. You know, they were like the, the gossipers of the day. And they went, the Bible tells them, told everybody they could, have you heard about this baby Jesus? You know, the good news is not religion. The good news is not a program. The good news is not rules. The good news is a person called Jesus. Romans 3 says this, For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands, the rules. The law simply shows how sinful we are. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writing of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God, by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. The rules have been fulfilled. Jesus has been born. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, people, come on. The rules have been abolished and completed and fulfilled. And suddenly we have freedom. We have the grace. We have the gift of Jesus Christ. That's what happens. You know, in the time where the shepherds had this suddenly moment with the angels, the Pharisees had 613 laws you had to complete. 613. Moses brought 10 laws in the Old Testament. And the Pharisees added another 603. Imagine that. Oh, I've broken another law. I didn't know there was a law. 613 laws. There were 10 in the Old Testament. Jesus kind of narrowed it down and made it much simpler. He said, how about we just do this? Love God, love others. Are we all right with that? Love God, love others. And we spent 2,000 years still trying to complete two laws. Anyone completed those two yet fully? Still working on it. Absolutely. And this idea that law is something that controls us, but a relationship is something that frees us. And the message of Jesus that came through the angels to the shepherds on the outskirts of society is one to remind us this is a different way of doing things. Religion says it's all about what you do. 
relationship with Jesus about what he has done. Religion and rules, especially when it comes to Christmas, is all about me. What do I get out of this? How does it look for me? What's my experience? But relationship, it's about him. And who is he? And who are we pointing towards? Religion is spelt D-O. Relationship is spelt D-O-N-E. Done. It's done. It's complete. It's finished. Jesus has paid the price for each one of us. So when we come to Christmas time and we remind ourselves, this is not a system of rules, a system of regulations. It's about relationship with Jesus. The angels, these messengers of glad tidings who passed it on to the shepherds. What a moment. And if you think about it, the angels told the shepherds. The shepherds went running around telling everyone they could think of. And throughout the centuries, people have told people the good news of Jesus until we are sitting here today as messengers of the good news. If you are following Jesus today, you have a story to tell. And my question to you this Christmas is, are you going to tell that story? And how are you going to tell that story? Each one of us, we tell a story. Sometimes we tell a story without even realizing it. When my children come home from school and they are dragging their school bag behind them and slam the door, I have an idea of what kind of day they've had. Anyone else? We all tell a story. When I look out upon you and some of you, are nodding and engaged and excited, and some of you look like you're about to fall asleep. It tells a story, and you're nudging the person next to you. We all tell a story, the way our face looks, the way we, our posture is, the way we sit, and now you're feeling a bit uncomfortable. How do I look engaged? Do I sit upright? We all tell a story. The way we celebrate Christmas tells a story. And it's not just about what we do, it's how we do that. And this Christmas, we all tell a story. Every Christmas, every day of our lives, we get to tell a story. We get to be one of those shepherds, the gossipers of good news. We get to be one of those people. How are you telling the story this year? Do you bring glad tidings? Do you bring good news? Are you the first to celebrate Christmas? Are you a bringer of joy, of hope? You know, God doesn't mind what you do at Christmas. I don't think God really minds whether you have Christmas tree or not, whether you use tinsel or not, whether you send Christmas cards or not, whether you write Xmas because you're running out of time. I don't think God really minds. I think what he really minds about is he wants to know that you are pointing to him, that you are connecting to him, that you are not forgetting the person at the center of Christmas. Celebrate however you want to celebrate. Make it a feast however you want to do that. Enjoy giving gifts and receiving gifts. Make Christmas special and enjoy every moment of it. But ask yourself the question, are we celebrating this person, Jesus? Or are we just participating in a system, a routine, a rule-based activity? Let's get the worship team up. Shall we bring things to an end? I want to ask this question as we finish today. The story you are telling, a messenger of Christ this Christmas. Are we going to reflect the angels who came and sang their songs, the shepherds who told their stories? Are you going to be a messenger of Christ this Christmas? Are you going to be one of those who are the first to celebrate in your family, in your workplace, in your community? Are you going to be the first one to get the round of drinks in and say, it's time to celebrate, it's Christmas. 
And let me tell you a story about Christ at the centre of Christmas. Are you the one that enjoys giving extravagant gifts? Or do you wait till people give you a gift and think, oh, I must give them one back in exchange? No, no one's got to admit to that one. Or having a few blank cards ready just in case. Are we going to be extravagant? I don't mean expensive. I mean thinking more of others than we do of ourselves. That's the heart of Christmas. A gift that was given extravagantly. Are we going to be extraordinarily thankful for everything we have received? Every moment we have received, every breath that we have, every relationship that we have. Are we going to be thankful? Are we going to point towards the God of heaven with our acts of worship, our acts of service, our acts of love? I'm so excited about the fact this year we've been able to give, but with other churches in Romsey, 260 families have benefited from those Christmas sacks that Joe Topley and team from the food bank have completed. That's an amazing thing to be able to do that. And the work of CAP and other people in our town serving those in need. Are we bringing hope into hopeless situations? Is that what we're doing this Christmas? Are we being a light in dark places? That's going to be our topic next Sunday. Do invite your friends to that. Can I say, do invite your friends next Sunday. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have some celebration. Uh, we'll have some Christmas goodies, don't you worry. But we're also going to be pointing towards Jesus, the light of the world. And are we going to be, as we're going to do in a moment, sing our songs of worship? Are we worshippers this Christmas? You sing songs of glad tidings. We may use different words now, but hopefully the same heart. And are we going to tell the story like the shepherds did, to sing with that throng of angels, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to all men. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to all men. Glory to God in the highest and peace to all We haven't got peace just yet, have we? But we're going to carry on pointing to heaven and saying, glory to God and believing for peace on earth. Glory to God. I may not be experiencing everything I want to experience right now this Christmas time, but I'm choosing to say I'm giving God the glory. I may not have got the present that I thought I deserved, but I'm giving God the glory. I may not have all the, the friendships I was hoping for. Maybe I've lost a loved one this Christmas. I'm still choosing to say glory to God in the highest. I may be struggling with relational difficulties right now, but I'm saying, God, will there be peace on earth? Peace in my family home. Whatever we might be experiencing, we choose to speak out this prophetic statement that the shepherds heard 2,000 years ago and saying, this Christmas, glory to God, peace on earth. Amen. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk. Thank you for listening.